Yeah, people have been saying uh, Buddy thing, and I actually ordered a, a Buddy the Elf sweatshirt. It just didn't get here in time. So we're just going to wear normal clothes today, Brandon. How you guys doing? For those of you that came out last night to our night in, thank you. It was so much fun. It was great. This is, uh, you know, the chaos of this season is there's an irony in it where, like, what we should, in essence, perhaps be doing is slowing down and being reflective and, and inviting sort of Jesus into the now. And we, more often than not, get crazy busy. And so last night was really refreshing. And for all the people that helped put it together and volunteered and at the end who worked like worker ants, but thank you very much. If you were here yesterday, you, like this room looked very different. Um, it was easier cleanup than last year when we had styrofoam peanuts as snow, but if you know, you know. All right, we're going we're gonna to be talking today through two different texts, and so I'm going to read first out of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, and then Brandon's going to read his text from Matthew. So it says this. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you can do the verses. And the verses. Yeah. We have notes, yeah. sort of. <laughs> Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyful news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby swapped, uh, wrapped snugly and lying in a major. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happening. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard, heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Awesome. Um, I'll read from Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 12. It says in the NIV version, uh, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Or route, yeah. And um, Jesus, uh, we just, uh, I just want to pray us in real quick after we've read the text. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us here together on this beautiful Advent Sunday, Lord, as we're going through our home series, Lord. And we just pray that you would open our hearts and minds today to be able to see what um, home looks like um, in this, these texts, Lord, what it looked like to these people, um, what God's doing with his uh, vision of home for all of us, Lord. And we pray that you would um, help us receive whatever you have for us today, God. We love you. We worship you. We invite you here. Thank you so much. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I look at my text and we look at shepherds, there's uh, Melanie Forsyth Lee, who's a vineyard pastor recently on the We Are Vineyard podcast. They did an Advent sort of podcast, and she was talking, and she said this about the shepherds. She said, they may have been the only ones awake at that hour. And it reminds her of the Lord going out and calling people only to call others when they initially, when those initially called did not respond, and said it's often the lowly. What I'm struck by with the, the shepherds is that they are essentially the lower working class of society, but they have an, an immensely important role. They don't just sort of like take care of sheep, they protect them. Um, and, and these sheep represent economic interest for the whole of their people. Sheep are also used in sacrifice in the temple. This is a, it's an important job, but it's not necessarily for the most strenuous scholars of the land, not the most important figures that exist, but they're up at this hour. And the fact that, that God in his kindness meets them in the place they are with a sign that they'll understand, shows up and the heavens come to earth through the angels that are speaking the, and announcing the Savior, announcing Jesus. And the gift it is for the shepherds in this moment that they're awake and no one else is. But not only that, I, I'm struck by their response to immediately move towards Jesus. That there's the, the heavens speaking is an invitation, one that they don't have to take. And they choose to move close to Jesus. And on finding Jesus, they come to this reality that the concept of home, the concept of hope, is now a person. And that the fulfillment of what they've been hoping and praying for and have been prophesied for generations is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And it's... It's this beautiful look into the heart of God that says, I'm going to give you a sign, but one that will make sense to you. And Brandon, in the text here, there's God doing the same thing in a very different way to a very different group of people. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Magi, you know, I, I was telling Josh, I mean, it, I think it's so, you know, it, it, I think the Magi deserve a little context um, oftentimes when we talk about them and what, when we think about them, you know, oftentimes we hear songs and we see them represented in 
um, probably movies, and um, you know, we maybe hear them as magi or wise men or the kings. Um, but uh, it actually, so you hear them in songs, you hear them in, in scripture, and I was telling my wife, I was joking about this, that I actually received an ad recently from um, Hop Dotty Burgers, which is a burger place that we like to go. I guess I got on their mailing list somehow, I don't know. But um, maybe because we go there so much, I don't know. But their, uh, their burger of the month is actually the Three Wise Men Burger. Um, <laughs> why? Because it has three patties, I don't. <laughs> It's ridiculous and wonderful and silly at the same time. But anyway, so there's a lot of confusion about these, these, these magi or wise men oftentimes. And so just a little context to the, to the verse here. Um, magi uh, is and, and was a, a technical term for um, Persian, Zoroastrian priests uh, during this period. Um, uh, and these were priests that were involved in dream interpretation. Their like, central religious rites involved fire and the sun, which they saw as representations of their God. Um, so just to give you a little context of who these guys were, they weren't exactly um, you know, uh, uh, Jews uh, hanging out and looking for this star. Um, there, there are some texts that maybe look at, you know, they, it says that they were looking at the, the stars, which isn't maybe exactly aligned with Zoroastrianism. It's a little bit closer to maybe what you would see in like Babylon with astrology. Um, and there are some texts that maybe mention um, maybe not the specific term of magi being applied to specific priests, but maybe more to like a general uh, people who practice magic or astrology in Babylon. But regardless of who they were exactly, we do know that they were people that were outside of the um, historical people of God. They weren't Jews, right? These were not Jewish people. Somehow um, it is clear that they uh, were foreigners who were either priests for and at least worshiped a foreign god. And so it's really interesting that, that they um, were involved in this story at all, right? It's pretty, it's pretty u unique. Um, and so they're, you know, they, they bring these gifts um, that show that you know, they probably have a level of a social position a little higher than people hanging out in a, in a manger, um, a little baby in, uh, in, in, in Israel, um, that they come and prostrate themselves before and bow down to. Um, they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are, uh, definitely show a level of affluence um, which, you know, shows this great thing you see throughout Matthew, of this great reversal of the weak being um, made strong and the humble exalted. Um, and so I think that it's really neat to kind of look at them, and people have made different comments on them throughout time and have different writings about them. And I was telling Josh, one of the ones that I like a lot is this um, Ephraim the Syrian gets into talking about them. He's from um, Nisibis, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, so he's a little bit closer to where they, they were at the time. And he saw these magi as like wealthy foreigners of another religion uh, who were bringing atonement or restitution um, for the Babylonian and Assyrian captivity of Israel uh, over time. So I thought that was kind of a neat little way that, that he saw that. And so, um, yeah, these, these, these magi who are in a foreign land, they're not Jews, they're not obviously not Christians at the time, but they're able to see and, and hear and get a sign um, that speaks to them where they are in the midst of what they're doing, which I think is important. It's, it's so fascinating that in a story where like we have a tradition, in the Jewish tradition, this is like centuries of people pointing towards Messiah. And Messiah finally comes and the announcement comes to shepherds and to foreigners who practice other religions who are not waiting for a Messiah, they're just exploring the creation of the creator and attributing 
creation and the mysteries of it to all sorts of things. And yet in this moment where the Messiah comes to fulfill the promise that the Son of Man has come to bring life and hope and to bring freedom and to begin this process of restoration of the creation to the creator, God in his kindness and with all the power that exists in him chooses to invite, not, to obli not obligation, but invitation. And not only invite the people that should be invited to the birth of a king, but invites the lowly shepherds and the foreign practices of other religions. And not only that, but meets them in a, where they are in the places that they're already looking. Even though they're not looking for Jesus, it's just where they are and what they're looking at. And I, as we were talking about this, is the fact that he meets the Magi so far away and the shepherds so close, and that they're all invited to the same person, which is Jesus, but different places. The shepherds are like a couple blocks away, essentially, and they can show up that night, and the Magi take years to get there. They don't end up, I mean, I know that in your nativity, it's like the wise man and the shepherds and like a, like a Scottish terrier or whatever you guys have. <laughs> but the story is so different. They show up years later, not to the manger, but to wherever Jesus is because the home, the sense of home and belonging has been rede redefined from place to a person. And wherever Jesus is, home is. And so as we look at this, we, we see the, the birth of Jesus as an invitation to anyone, anywhere, to find home. If you're a shepherd and you happen to be awake and looking at the stars, I'll meet you there. If you're a magi and you're way far away looking into everything and anything, I'll meet you there. Because Jesus is home. As we were talking through this, one of the a couple questions came up for us, and one of them is like, "What do you see?" Because the story on a whole tells this big, big story of rescue and redemption, and Jesus coming as the victor to conquer death and to fight the enemy, and it's it's this big sort of massive story. But then there's the smaller stories of our lives. And so as I'm looking at this, there's something that it becomes very clear to me personally, which is God's desire to reach us and to meet us where we are in the present. Mm -hmm. To show up in ways that are easy for us to see. That he's not hiding himself, that those who are ardent in their pursuit will find him that he is there and he is evident for those that are awake and are looking. Brandon, what do you see in this that is? Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of the same things and just that God chose to reveal himself to a lot of very, in some very unlikely spaces, right? So, you know, socially, he chose to reveal himself not to the chief priest and didn't go in and break up, you know, um, where the chief priests were hanging out and say, hey, the Savior's been born, go and check it out. He went to maybe the lowest rung on the social ladder to the shepherds. Um, 
And then he went to this foreign um, uh, body of uh, priests or practitioners of another religion who were not Jews, nor were they Gentile God-fearers, as a lot of the early church was made up of. But these were, you know, um, members and possibly priests of another pagan religion, as they would have called them. not trying to use that term in a a bad way, but that's how Jews would have seen them at the time. Um, So it shows that God is doing something new. Something new is going on here. Um, that doesn't have any uh, regional or ethnic boundaries. This is not a local deity or messiah for this tribe or this ethnic group. This is a messiah for everybody, right? God's opening this door here. I know that we're probably familiar with the book of Acts and where we see Peter and Paul starting to spread the gospel um, beyond the realms of the Jewish people into the Gentiles, but we see it right here at the very birth of Jesus, which is super important and really um, eye-opening. And as Josh mentioned, you know, this idea of home is now no longer um, a a people group or a nation um, or a place, but it's a person, this person of Jesus. And so one of the things I I see God doing here um, is is both kind of contracting and expanding the idea of what home means. And you might think, that's contradictory, Brandon. How is that possible? Well, I think he's contracting it in that it's going from these little different identities and understandings of home for this tribe and for this group and for this town um, to one understanding of home, to one person of Jesus. So it's contracting down to one person. However, it's, it's expanding at the same time in that this one person of Jesus is offering himself and available to everyone, to people everywhere. So he's both... Contracting it to Jesus, to one person, but expanding it to every people group, every nation, um, even pagan priests and lowly shepherds. So I thought that was really significant and really neat to, to think about. And then one of the other questions we ask is then, what does it mean to me? So like as an individual, and the last two questions are, what does it mean to, to me? And then what does it mean to us? And so like, what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to us? You want me to keep talking? Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. You got it. I'm tired of my own voice already but so what it means to me so this is a very personal story for me Josh and I were looking at you know we're going to talk about the shepherds and the magi you know who do you want to talk about Josh is very gracious he let me choose which one I wanted to kind of take the more of the lead on well let's be fair yeah I mean you're much more magi than I am as far as (laughs) like I'm sort of I'm I'm shepherd stock well and I'm okay with it and that's it's good (laughs) Well, the only reason I'm more Magi is, I'll tell you, it has nothing to do with affluence or anything like that. Um, what it has to do with this, so the reason that I like this is these, these, beyond not being Jews, right, these Magi, it's not just that they were a different people group or they weren't Jews, but they were actually practicing astrology, which was forbidden to the Jews, right? This was not something that God was okay with at the time. There's, there's prophecies and, and prophets in the Old Testament that tell you don't do that. This is not something that we do. Uh, we look for the Lord God to tell us, you know, signs and things. We don't look to the stars, right? Even though the God made the stars, uh, we don't look for them to interpret, to tell us who we are and what we do and how we move about. So the thing that, while not condoning astrology, that's, like, marvelous to me, um, is that God chose to reveal himself where these people were looking, right? As Josh mentioned earlier, he didn't make them go to church first and experience Christ, right? God um, met them where they were looking, and that really speaks to me and my own story. I, some of you may know, some of you may not. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I definitely uh, found God in some pretty unlikely spaces um, in my, you know, uh, early 20s, um, which were very much outside of the church. Um, I have a very powerful story of coming to Christ and God revealing himself to me um, from outside the bounds of um, 
uh, Christianity. I didn't know any other Christians at the time. So God moved powerfully, and I kind of felt like a Magi in that God uh, showed himself and showed up where I was looking. Now, um, the thing that I think is important to, to state, though, is that he didn't leave me there, right? He moved me over time towards himself and towards uh, Jesus and out of things that I was previously involved with. And I think we see that here with the Magi. Um, they are called and they, they, they get this revelation, but they don't just stay there in um, Persia or, or Babylon or wherever they were and just say, hey, isn't this great? We found something really cool and look at us, aren't we smart? No, they went and they got on a journey and went to Jesus. And I think that's important. I think that speaks volumes. They got up, they left um, their power and prestige, got on their uh, camels, maybe, maybe that's, I think so, I don't know, they don't have a train or anything, but they started going towards Jesus, they journeyed towards Jesus, and like Josh said, that journey probably took a while, and it probably took a lot of effort, maybe they had to take time off of their priestly duties, but they went to Jesus, and I think that, to me, really resonated, and that's what I feel like happened in my own journey, that I journeyed towards Jesus, and it didn't happen overnight, it took a while, but I think that's significant and important. Yeah, I think as I look at this, what it means to me as well is that there is invitation. That it's a, like Jesus is inviting us to journey towards him. And that wherever we find ourselves, that he is showing up in ways that we can see and understand to the places we're already awake to. Like, I'm awake, I'm here, you're showing up. And that there's an invitation in this, that the power of the living God is not like is not saying you're obligated to this saying you're invited to this and that with every step we take we become closer and closer to jesus and we become more we are awakened we're awakening to the reality of jesus as home mm -hmm. and to this place of belonging and where things make sense and then what it means to us i think is fascinating I think it, what it means to us is that we get to rest a bit and worry less about how people find Jesus and less about where people are looking and become more aware of where Jesus is in our own story. That, that as we move towards Jesus, there's an, there's an, there's an optical reality of, of closeness. That the closer we get, the less objective we are. So, like, if I start here, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at, at, at Brandon, and I can see sort of, the, like, I, I got shoes, legs, arms, I got the whole deal, but the closer I get, and I won't do this, because we're buddies, <laughs> but we're not those buddies, but the closer I get, the less of you I see. Now, there's more intimacy the closer I get, but if I come face to face, I'm not able to see all of you anymore. Now, the intimacy in itself is beautiful and an end, it's not the end game, but it's, it's something that is spectacularly comforting and brings purpose and meaning. But in order for me to see all, I need to see people that are discovering Brandon for the first time. I need to see it through the eyes of a Magi who are wherever they are and seeing the hands of mercy that I saw once and haven't seen since in the same way. That for the shepherds, as they see this and they go back and tell everybody, everybody gets animated, but not everybody moves. 
But then years later, when the story of the Magi come out, then I see it again. And I'm brought back to a better image of the whole of home through Jesus. And so for me, in the us of it, it's this beautiful understanding of the invitation that I have personally, and that God is continually revealing Jesus' home to me, but also that I get to see it through the eyes of others when I pull back enough to allow them to see the living God pursuing them where they're looking instead of being concerned about telling them this is how you, you only see God through angels, not through stars. Hmm. What about you? Yeah, um, that's awesome. I like that, especially the part where you didn't get too close. That was awesome. Um, I'm respecting (laughs) boundaries and appropriate social norms. Thank you. you know, so what this means to us, um, and I'm going to say us as the us in this room, right? And we're all in a church on a Sunday, so probably we're somewhat uh, Christian or maybe Christian adjacent. Um, we're, we're, we're somewhere in that journey, maybe. But I think it's important. I like this whole motif and theme of a journey in this text that we see um, for the Magi, just uh, going towards Jesus. And I think that's important for us to remember for all of us here as well. Um, this reminded me of something uh, my father-in-law, Harry, and I, years ago, probably, you know, 2012 or something maybe, went to the inaugural, uh, the very first, like, Society of Vineyard Scholars meeting, which was here in Houston. And one of the things, the kind of the buzz things they were talking about there, and I didn't even know what it was at the time. I had to t- kindly take somebody aside, a scholar aside, and ask them what, what it meant they were talking about. Um, but they were talking about this whole idea of bounded sets and centered sets when discussing Jesus and coming to faith. And the whole bounded set thing is like, you know, you're either in or you're out. You're either a Christian or you're not. And it's kind of black or white. You know, it's a switch on or it's a switch off. And that's kind of a lot of typically a lot of historically how we've kind of thought about it. Whereas centered sets were more thinking of people going towards Jesus. And, you know, they may be somewhere on that journey. You're not sure. Maybe they haven't crossed that line that you would say they're, they're in or they're out but they're going towards Jesus. So there's more of an emphasis on the direction that your journey's taking, right? And these magi, I don't know where they were on this journey. I don't know if they had this revelation and they were on this journey and when they got there, they went back and they were Christians. I I don't really know. There's some early, um, you know, there's some stories uh, in the early Persian church. There's some historical documents and you never know with these things, um, but they think that possibly um, some of, you know, or one of the Magi could have been an early, uh, you know, starter of one of the early Persian churches. Who, who knows? Um, but I think it's important to know that all of us, even in this room, are on a journey, and we're all going towards Jesus, right? And so um, being, uh, you know, following Jesus isn't just for people who are, you know, maybe outside of the church, and we just want to bring people in, um, but all of us here still need to be focusing and going on this journey towards Jesus. We, we, um, this, this, this God who reveals himself to pagan priests, to lowly shepherds, um, and loves each of us, and we're worth more than we can imagine in his eyes, um, everyone in this room. And so, to me, the, what, what it means to us is that each, is, each of us are still on this journey towards Jesus. We can always get closer to Jesus. Um, and like Josh said, to be around others who are on different places in that journey so we can see God working in different ways and appreciate that about God. Because if you hang out with all the people up close that are kind of where you're at, you may forget some of the beauty and the um, majesty of God's other things that he's got going on, right? Yeah, I think in, in a season like this where a lot of times we, we get sort of like into the cycle of the season, 
and we do Advent, and we know, okay, so this is joy. I pausing for a second and realizing that the God that revealed himself to the Magi and revealed himself to the shepherds is revealing himself to us and desires to meet you where you're looking. And that the joy that we celebrate is the joy of home being where Jesus is. And Jesus said he made his home with us. And so as we're sitting here today, we share in the long story of a God revealing himself and pointing his creation to Jesus, to home. We have joy because in the present, we are home because Jesus is here. We have joy because he is revealing himself where we're looking. That we don't have to become something to see. He's revealing himself where we are. That there, in all the power that is God, he invites, he doesn't demand. He says, take a step, and for every step you take, you'll be closer to home. You'll be awakened, awoken to home and to the, the person of Jesus, and that the journey starts with seeing and moving closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'd, yeah, I'll pray us out here. I'm going to stand. Y'all don't have to stand. Um, Jesus, we thank you today, Lord. We thank you for being with us, Lord. In this time of the holiday season, Lord, and of Advent, and of so much um, probably busyness in a lot of our lives going on, Lord, help us just find that sense and that anchor, Lord, and that foundation in you as our home, Lord, um, and help us... Um, Experience that not not just by ourselves, but with others uh, and draw each other to remind one another God Because um, I know that for all of you, but I forget sometimes for myself Lord uh, just how much you truly love us and care for us and Want to be our our home God and in our center and I pray that during this season Lord we would each Just get reawakened to and re-inspired that we're each on a journey, Lord. We're we're not there yet. Um, No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus, um, or whatever position you you find yourself in, Lord, each and every one of us is on a journey, and we always will be, Lord. But the exciting thing is, is we can get closer and closer and closer to you, Lord. And there will be dips and troughs in, in the valley as we're going, Um, but we are always getting closer to you, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would lead us that way, Lord. You would shine your light, God, that we can follow. We can feel that sense of home, um, that sense of peace, God, during this this season, Lord, and into um, uh, the subsequent seasons that we find ourselves in in life, God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.